WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Lazowitz. And this week we're talking to the colorists of comics like Criminal and Pulp and the artists of the upcoming That Texas Blood from Image. It's Jacob Phillips. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, Jacob, I'll start with one of our kind of go-to icebreaker questions. Uh, what, what comics do you remember reading when you first got into the medium? Um, well, growing up with my dad, he, he would get piles of, well, you know, boxes of, of comics every month when he was working at Marvel and DC. Um, so, of everything that came out that month, so I, I would just raid these boxes and get to pick whatever I like. So, mostly it was Batman and Spider-Man and stuff like that. Um. So, so you weren't jumping right into his work on Hellblazer. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he didn't really expose me to things like that. I used to see the 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 work upon the walls, and his he'd pin every every page as he did it to the, to his wall in his studio. So I'd see that, but I never saw the finished books really. As far as I was concerned, it was a completely separate thing that he did. <laughs> <laughs> So you're here to talk about your first ongoing uh, modern-day Western, That Texas Blood. Uh, what's the elevator pitch for the book? Um, see, this is where Chris is good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> basically, it's, it's a look at this, this fictional county uh, within Texas, and it's um, all the weird things that go on. It's um, the first... Uh, arc is all based around this um, this writer that lives in Los Angeles, but he comes back to his hometown in Texas uh, following the the death of his brother, um, and he sort of falls back into old habits and destructive ways and meets all these old characters that he uh, tried to leave behind. Um, it's sort of like a, a t- his tale through, through dealing with all this. Yeah, so uh, you know, it's funny. We usually use the phrase "elevator pitch" when we're we're asking our guests to you know sum up a, a series, but uh, it is particularly appropriate here because you know this book started out as a, a screenplay by your collaborator. You mentioned Chris Condon, uh, where yeah. you were the conceptual artist originally before this became a comic, correct? Yeah. So he came to me. It must have been two or three years ago now, because um, he'd seen my stuff in the back of the Kill Be Killed monthlies. I was doing the essay illustrations then. Um, and he's seen the stuff and he's like oh do you want to do this concept art for this film that I'm working on um, I think it's going to be a short short film and it was that's what ended up turning into the first issue so the first issue is sort of a bit self-contained introduces you to um, Joe, Joe Bob who is the sheriff of the county um, and then it sort of goes off from there on a, on a tangent for the remaining five issues of the arc Um but yeah, originally it was just four digital paintings that I did. Um, and then loads of things got in the way of Chris making the film. I think one of his locations burned down um, mm-hmm. and then funding got pulled or something like that. And it never came to be. And he was like, oh, maybe the world's telling me that this isn't meant to be a film. And he was like, oh, well, I've already got well, me, an illustrator on board. So why doesn't he just do it as his second, which is which is comics? So. And then it all went from there, really. Uh, how did you? How did you? How did you guys first connect? Um, I think he just emailed me. I think he, um, or maybe he emailed me through my dad because he'd seen 
yeah, he's seen the stuff in the back of Kill Be Killed. Okay. So he got in touch, got in touch with me after that. Um, I think it's just email, and then we've been emailing ever since. Really, we've, I don't think we've ever spoken on the phone. We've never skyped. It's always just email. It's just, it's just so much easier because we we can keep log of what we're saying then, rather than uh, these long <laughs> phone calls. And then we're like, wait, what was the point of this? Why? What are we meant to be doing? So at least now we can read back and be like, this is the plan. Um, so it's all just yeah, email now and then the occasional Instagram message, and that's about it. Always, always good to have a record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hold accountable. <laughs> so, you only did you said four initial concept illustrations. Um, how much of that has sort of worked its way into the adapted book? Are those going to actually? appear as panels or splashes I mean there must have been quite a bit of expansion from a you know, standard screenplay which is probably between 90 and 100 and change pages and yeah. an ongoing comic yeah so um, in issue one there's a big double page spread um, and that's d- t- t- taken directly from a the one of the pieces of concept art that I did um, I, think I, bas- I think I traced it off it and then just re-inked it because they were they were fully painted, well digital painted uh, pieces for that. So I just traced it off and re-inked it. But that's the only one that appears um, as it was. Um, they all informed it, but I've changed the character design and a lot of the locations have changed and stuff like that. Um, and it's only yeah, only the first issue is based on the on the screenplay, and then the rest is sort of its own thing. Um, so there's still loads of room for me to go and ch- make changes and do what I want, basically, and build this world out from these four images. Um, just curious, because I, I love Sheriff Joe Bob. Uh, you know that 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 first issue where it's his 70th birthday and he's sort mm. of adjusting to, you know, oh, I guess I don't really feel any older, but you know, well, as as he likes yeah. to say. Uh, you know, was there a, a physical inspiration for the character? Like, I, I guess, and this might just be my age showing, but I get a lot of like older Tom Skerritt from Picket Fences when I when I look at him. But yeah, see, I've, I have heard that a lot, um, but it wasn't that. It was actually um, what's his name, Sam Elliott. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Basically, because I I'm a big Parks and Rec fan, and he's yeah. other Ron in that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I was like, oh, that's just perfect. He's just the best, the perfect look. Um, and he's like, I think he's the perfect sort of base because he's, you know, the right age. And he's got that great mustache for a start. And mm-hmm. um, but he's sort of like, he's got that that friendly, likable face that I was going for. He's Because Joe was sort of, then I feel like your friend throughout this whole thing. I think that's why we started with this issue, which is all about him. Um because he's sort of your companion throughout the rest of the series and um, without necessarily being the main character, but he's sort of the anchor in it all. And he's he'll be a consistent character through future arcs as well, where we sort of dip in and out of different stories. So it's, it was good to have this sort of friendly face. So I just thought it was, yeah, perfect. So you're from the UK and you're drawing a book that is set deep in the heart of Texas. Yes. <laughs> what kind of research went into getting that Texas vibe? 
Um, mostly just a lot of Googling, a lot of uh, Google Street View, um, mm. just driving around. Um, like Chris um, sent me a lot of um, sort of photo reference that he'd found from um, books and film um, and stuff like that. And then I, and then a list of towns um, because we're set in a, in a fictional town. Um, I could then sort of pick elements out of these other towns that he sent me. So I was doing a lot of driving around on Google Street View, trying to find interesting buildings and stuff like that. A lot of it is based on sort of real buildings, like shops and stuff like that, and streets are all real, but just grabbed and put into this fictional sort of composite town. Uh, of all the, the sequences in the issues we've read, uh, there's a dream sequence in issue one that mm. jumped out at me. And it starts out grounded really in reality and then becomes supernatural and horrific. It's really impressive. It's, it's four pages, a sort of full-page splash, a nine-panel grid, another splash, and then a full blackout for the final page. Mm. Really, really cinematic. How much of that was you, and how much of it was, you know, broken out in the script? Um, well, that first splash with all the dialogue on it um, was originally also a nine-panel grid, um, and it was captioned rather than balloons. Um, that was how it came in the script, but I was struggling to get it to work in a way that actually showed any, you know, any drawing uh, or what was going on. Um, so I thought I, I ended up just I think I penciled it and just sent it over to Chris like what do you think of this instead and I just thought it flowed better and it allowed me to do I thought I wanted to follow the smoke of the fire with the uh, with the speech as well which I wanted to try out so a lot of it just came from that um, having this idea of how to lay out the lettering but um, yeah that was the only real change that I made from the script I think um yeah, I don't think I changed anything else. Um, but yeah, it was just yeah dealing with all that dialogue that split split into four pages, especially as yeah that last page is just black, so it's actually three pages, but still maybe like six pages of dialogue. So, <laughs> so it sounds like you're working full script on this. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we, we got to read the first three issues of the series, and yeah. there was a, a theme that I I felt like I picked up about brothers and the relationship between brothers, because that first issue has the sheriff remembering his predecessor and his predecessor's brother and their relationship, and then there's obviously Randall and Travis, uh, Randall being your main character and Travis, his brother. Um, is this some kind of important sort of through line and synergy or is it just that for me my brother's about to become a father for the first time I'm about to become an uncle for the first time and I've got brothers on the brain yeah <laughs> um, can well, it be both <laughs> yeah yeah it's probably both um, <laughs> but the yeah the, the the first arc so after the first issue then the yeah those first two issues of no sorry two and three which you also read and then the following two, I think it is, is that right? Yeah. There, so those last five are all under the arc of Brothers' Conscience. Um, so it's definitely a theme throughout the whole thing. Uh, 
Um, but I don't know about, in terms of future issues, I'm not really sure, because I don't even know what we're doing next. Chris has uh, got lots of plans in his head, and I don't know which one we're going with. Um, but in terms of this first arc, yeah, it's definitely a theme that runs through it. Um, him exploring, Randall exploring this uh, this relationship and, and all the, the sort of troubles that come with it. Uh, do you guys foresee in terms of kind of future planning going the, you know, the, the way that a lot of image series have gone where, you know, it's, you do an arc, the trade comes out, you take like a month or two breather, then come back with the next one, that sort of thing. Oh, well, I think there'll be a bigger gap. I think at the moment I've just started working on another series with a different writer, um, which I'm not allowed to talk about yet, but, um, but that's, and that'll be another, hopefully if everything goes to plan, because obviously everything's a bit up in the air right now. But yeah. um, another image book, um, which will be coming out, I guess, next year. But nothing's nothing's planned properly yet. Um, but I've just re- I've just drawn the first issue of that. Um, so basically, I'm taking a break from Texas Blood, doing this, and then coming back to Texas Blood when that when that series wraps up. I think I'm not sure how long that'll be. Maybe a year or maybe even two years. I'm not sure yet. But we're yeah. also doing. Um, Brutal Dark, our online um, like a mini comic, which is coming out every month uh, through everything, which we started last month. Yeah, um, I was going to ask about that, but that seems like a good cue. Um, <laughs> that's uh, coming out through your Patreon. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little about that series? It's a, a detective noir, I believe. Yeah, it's meant to be sort of like. Indiana Jones, if he was a, you know, a detective in New York in the thirties, um, that sort of vibe. Um, so that's uh, it's the ten issue, no, ten page issues, eight pages of story, and some backup stuff, um, which comes out every month or so when I've drawn it um, on our Patreon, um, and it's only a dollar. So we're just trying. To, we we started it because of. Um, because of COVID, everything was put on hold with Texas Blood. Yeah. Um, and we didn't know when it was coming out or if it was coming out. Um, luckily, we only got pushed back a month in the end. But at the time, we were like, well, what are we doing now? So we stopped work on Texas Blood. And we were just sort of sat thinking, oh, well, we need to do something. So we, uh, so Chris had this idea knocking around since he was, I think, since he was 18. He, he posted on the, on the Patreon um, some images that he'd drawn himself of the first page when he was about 18 um so 10 years ago and then he's so he's finally written a script and we've got and we've started on that so he's written the first three or four issues now and i've drawn the first one i meant to have drawn the second one in next week but we'll see how that goes um i think it's it's gonna be quite a loose monthly schedule on my part because i'm just yeah trying to fit it in between finishing texas blood this new series and now doing the the Patreon series, it's a lot. It's a lot to fit in, and I sure. and I'm re- regretting all my choices. But um, <laughs> I suppose there are worse problems to have. Yeah, too much work isn't that much of a problem, I don't think. <laughs> in the scheme of things, do you work any differently for uh, the digital comic than you would for a print book? Or in this particular case, is it kind of the same? Um, it's essentially the same, but I've actually been drawing the digital one 
traditionally on paper, which is nice. And all my Texas Blood stuff is um, digital. So it was just a nice way to sort of mix up my uh, my technique and, and get back using real ink again, which is nice. But um, in terms of like, you know, the actual method, the actual sort of structure of how I'm working is, it doesn't really change. I sort of stick to how I know to do it. Um, it didn't even occur to me that I could do a different size. You know, I, like it's digital, I could do it landscape or I could do it square or whatever I wanted to do. I didn't even think of that until I'd finished drawing the first issue. So, uh, yeah, it's still very much the same as it was. I'm trying out different things. Like I've coloured it in a different way, um, using greys and then uh, gradient mapping it rather than colouring it how I would normally colour it, um, mostly for speed, but also to try it out, and I think it gives it a sort of more distinctive look and of, of the time that it's set as well. Um, so it's, it's worked out nicely. Um, speaking of colors, uh, you've done work as a colorist for the work that your father, uh, legendary artist Sean Phillips, has been doing with legendary writer Ed Brubaker, uh, something that I've written extensively about and am an unabashed and huge fan of. Um, what drew you to coloring? Um, basically, he offered me the job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because, I, yeah, well, because I'd... Um, I've been doing these backup illustrations for his monthlies in, for the essay, um, and, then, and I've been doing work as a as a freelance illustrator anyway for a number of years. Um, so I, I sort of I was doing that, and I wasn't really planning on doing comics. And then he was doing uh, my heroes have always been junkies, and he was planning on coloring himself, um, and then he ran out of time I think <laughs> or he realised that he wasn't going to make it so he he asked me to do it he, he sort of set a very strict look to it that was all him and and was like oh, I want it to look like this so do it like that and I think um, oh you're grounded because, <laughs> yeah basically because I think because he didn't want to use um, uh, Betty Brightweiser because he didn't want to uh, art director so strongly mm -hmm. whereas with me, he could just tell me what to do. Um, <laughs> and then it turned out that he liked what I did, and then and I could do it, and everyone was pleased. Um, so when it came to when we came to do Criminal, I was sort of left to my own devices and got to choose how to do it again. Um, and obviously looking back over what Betty had done and, uh, and Val and everyone that had coloured it before, and then sort of taking the bits that I, I liked of that and turn it into my own thing um and then yeah it's, so i just sort of fell into it and then I, then i fall into drawing comics as well it's all been very strange <laughs> <laughs> what challenges are there in coloring your own work versus the work of someone else um i don't know i, I quite like doing my own work coloring my own stuff because i can i can plan ahead so when I'm penciling it and inking it, I can be like, oh, well, I'll do this in the colour. Um, but then I do, yeah, I don't know, actually. But yeah, I like colouring other people's work. I, I particularly like colouring my dad's work because all the light sources are so strong. Um, hmm. 
and there's a lot of shadow so you can you can play really well with how things are lit because um, a lot of the work's already done so you can sort of do these big sort of gestural marks and don't have to be that descriptive with it um, whereas I think with my work and then uh, working with with Duncan on the Maddie book and uh, I've done some some lobby plates recently as well for um, Chip Mosher's new book um, so I've, yeah having to play with different different styles but um, it's I find it fun to do different people because you can try out all these different styles to try and suit their work. Because I don't think what I do on Criminal will necessarily suit everyone. Um, but I think it does sort of suit mine because it's a, it's a similar look. Um, yeah, in terms of approach, it doesn't really change. I sort of try and do what fits and what I feel like doing. Um, the only real difference is, yeah, planning it ahead with my, uh, with my own stuff. Um, from kind of like a workflow productivity standpoint, you know, as a colorist, you know, how much are you able to do on a project in a given day? Uh, you know, I, I know it's, it's, it's obviously, you know, a very different experience when you're drawing something versus, mm. you know, the, the two kind of aspects of the supply chain, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, coloring, I, I tend to do about five or six pages a day um of my dad's stuff a bit slower if it's you know something someone that draws more dense books um but yeah about five pages a day is my average for a book unless you know there's a deadline and i've got to do 10 um mm-hmm. but that's a, a long a long day and no sleep um yeah about five pages is is what i tend to do um do you tend so you know are there days where you're only penciling days where you're only coloring or do they all kind of bleed together uh no i try and split it up so with the texas blood i've i've got one issue left to i did the first three issues Mm uh i did i penciled number one inked it colored it and i did it like that and then with the last three issues i've i've penciled them all and now I'm going through an ink in them all, and then I'll color them all. Um, so three issues at a time. So I'll I'll spend, you know, two weeks just penciling, and then or maybe longer than that, in this case when I've been doing three at a time, and then I'll spend however long it takes to then go through and ink them all, and then yeah, just color them. So I don't really mix them up that much uh, if I can. I like to sort of work in in blocks. And just get things you know ticked off job by job rather than back and forth otherwise i find it too muddled and i i, I lose track of where i'm up to as well much easier to sort of schedule myself if i'm like well this is when i have to do the pencils by this is when i have to do the inks by yeah it keeps you from being uh add brained <laughs> yeah yeah exactly the next project you're coloring for the Brubaker Phillips Phillips team is Pulp, um, an OGN due out now at the end of July, starring a writer of Pulp Westerns. Between mm. that and that Texas Blood, uh, you're working on a lot of Westerns. Uh, is that a genre you had a lot of interest in going into this? Um, I mean, mildly, but I wouldn't call myself you know, a super fan. Um, I, I, I like them fine. I, I, I watched Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid recently, 
like I think the first week of our lockdown that was that was what we did on the weekend but um no I, I, it was never a plan I've never been like oh I, I really want to do westerns um but it turns out that's what we were doing but it's just <laughs> I think I think it, it was just a coincidence like I, I think Ed had this idea and I was already working on Texas World at that point I think when we started with Pulp um but yeah, they're very different in uh, in the way they approach the genre as well. Um, pulp is uh, a lot more sort of classic Western for well half of it anyway. Um, whereas obviously ours is sort of a neo Western. Um, so it's different. It's yeah, it's different in the way they've uh, the well Chris and, and Ed have approached the uh, the genre of it. Um, both those projects, Pulp and that Texas Blood, and obviously a lot of other people's books, uh, were delayed because of of COVID and, and Diamond shutting down and everything. Uh, you know, what kind of went through your mind when you found out that the books were being delayed for you know originally you know who knew how long? Yeah, um, most of us is really disappointed because I, I just didn't want to have done this book, which I think is good and it not come out i think with pulp it was always gonna come out because it's already such an established team everyone was it's a sure seller whereas i think with texas blood there was always this part of us that were thinking oh well they could just drop this and it would it would never happen um so we were just like yeah worried that no one would ever see this book or we'd have to find this new route to take with it to get it out there somehow um so there was a lot of just sort of sat waiting for any sort of news from image about when it was going to happen and then finally got the email saying oh it's coming out in june so that was a big a big sigh of relief but um yeah well and and it inspired us to then go and make brutal dark as well um in the meantime so i think it's it's worked out quite nicely, really. And I think that as well has helped us reach new audiences that might not have known us, our stuff before. And then, and it's just in time now for, for Texas Blood. And we can, we can sort of work off, we can sort of work off each other now. So that's great. Plus now you're on two projects with Chris. So you've kind of got a rapport there, you know, and then meanwhile, you're still the, the, the third leg in this, this, you know, triad with, you know, obviously, uh, your, your dad and Ed, you know, do you, do you enjoy kind of building these, these rapports with your collaborators where you can kind of go back to each other on multiple projects? Yeah, it's definitely, I think it's good because you know, you can trust them to do something good, you know, and it's, it's nice not to have to go out and be like, oh, I need to find someone to write me something that I I, I like, or I have to find a, a writer that I like who isn't busy. Whereas with yeah, working with Chris, I can be like, I know that I I like his stuff. Um, so when he had this, when he emailed me saying, oh, do you want to do another comic online? And I was like, yeah, sure. I don't have to read it. Just he sort <laughs> of gave he gave you know he gave me the pitch, and I was like, yeah, okay, let's do that. Um, and I think it's the same with with Ed, and he's just sort of like, I want to do this. What do you think? And, and 
I don't know what you're going to say, but, you know, my dad's like, yeah, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds all right. But, you know, it's just it's, it's a level of trust in each person to do their thing, I guess, and know that they're going to do it well. Um, I was going to ask a little bit, you know, you did mention uh, when you were coloring My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies, uh, Sean had a, a kind of clear idea of what he wanted, and, and that's that's why he asked you to color it, <laughs> so we could kind yeah. of direct. Uh, you know, uh, over like the couple of years since then, because uh, Junkies was, was 2018, uh, you know, is it still that kind of like, you know mentor mentee i guess relationship or or is it a little bit more uh you know uh, kind of like equals at this point yeah it's it's nowhere near as uh heavily directed by my dad anymore I, he sort of left me to it on criminal um he sort of pointed out things that he liked from previous colorists and, and other and colorists that worked on other books as well um and then I sort of got to take that and do what I wanted with it. And then I think it's, I've sort of found my sort of rhythm with it over the last, however long it's been, year, two years of colouring it. Um, I sort of established my look a bit more. Um, so it, I think he's just, sort of, it's occasional, like occasionally he'll be like, no, you need to change that. Um, but no more than any other client that I've worked with, you know, when they've got, you know, some people have notes on some things, you know, sure. um, most like, like, you know, that's like maybe one panel in an issue or something like that. He just sort of leaves me to do it. And hopefully he likes what I do. I guess he does. <laughs> um, now that, now that we're getting kind of back on track with, with books and you've got release dates now for everything, you know, how are you kind of the promotion game obviously has, has changed in the past couple of months. You know, there's no cons, there's no store signings right now. Uh, I'm, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. Things are still pretty well closed down in England, you know, just like they are, you know, here in the States. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, today, well, recording this, I'm sat in a park and that's the, sort of the only thing I'm allowed to do that isn't go to work or go home. So it's, uh, yeah, we can't really go out and do anything. We had, a, we had a bunch of, uh, sort of in-store sh- signings lined up, especially because originally Pulp and Texas Blood were going to come out on the same day, um, and we were going to do me and my dad were going to do joint signings in different shops. Um, mm-hmm. I'm up in up north in Manchester, so we were going to do one there and then one down in London as well. Um, but obviously, these can't happen now. And then any cons that we had lined up as well have all been cancelled. So we we put our we put our comp order in for Texas Blood today, and I've just put you know like I'll have ten because where am I going? <laughs> what am I going to do with them? <laughs> I can't go to a con and sell them. So um, by the time the cons are up again, we'll uh, have the trade out. So it's definitely uh, yeah. I'm not really sure how to deal with it at the moment. A lot of it is just tweeting and Instagramming constantly, <laughs> mm-hmm. and hoping people see it and. And again, yeah, uh, Brutal Dark, I think, has, has helped that because we've, got, we've sort of grown our audience a bit through that and then we can, we can sort of publicise it through that as well, um, which is great. And obviously as well, having Pulp come out, everyone knows that's coming out, sort of thing. <laughs> Everyone's going to buy that anyway. So um, that's, that's, that's like the best promotional tool I have for Texas Blood. Like oh, if you like that, you'll like this comic that came out last week, sort of thing. So, 
Yeah, in fact, I think the first issue, at least the version of it that we saw, included the trailer for Pulp in the back. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's got yeah, it's got that in there. I think. Oh, and we had um, Tessa's Blood preview in the back of Criminal as well. So that was great. That was a we we did a trade. It's good. It's just good marketing. <laughs> yeah, it just it just makes sense. <laughs> But also having things like uh, my dad do a variant on issue one, and we've got Duncan Figueredo on uh, on issue two. Um, they're the only ones we're doing a variant on, but just to get things going, I think it's great to have uh, to make use of the, those connections, and uh, and, then, and, and that will help sell it. Even if people are buying it just for Duncan's cover, that's fine by me. Hopefully, they'll come back for the the story, in, you know, in the next issue. Gotta, that's how you that's how you trick those variant collectors <laughs> exactly yeah. uh, um and then because you you are doing all the things now uh you mentioned duncan Figredo. uh i wanted to make sure to mention that you're also involved in uh, duncan jones and alex DeCampi's uh maddie kickstarter uh mm. which is sort of jones's sequel to moon and mute uh, yeah. there, are, there are a ton of names on that book. Uh, oh yeah, it's amazing. I, yeah. They sent me the um, the Dropbox folder full of uh, the finished pages that everyone else has done so far. I just thought, oh wow, I've got a color it as good as this. It's, just, <laughs> it's all it's all it's all amazing. But luckily, you know, I'm working with Duncan, who's just the best. So it's uh, it was it was great to get to work with him on that. So uh, I know you're coloring him on the cover. Are you also coloring his interior pages? I am, yeah. So awesome. I, I just finished that those on Friday, and then I have to do any notes tomorrow, I guess, on the, anything that they've got they want me to change. Um, yeah, that's all. That's all done now, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So that's just. I think it was eight pages or something like that that, that we've done. You mentioned it earlier, um, but you've done a lot of the art that accompanies the essays at the back of Killer Be Killed and Criminal, all of which tend to talk about uh, classic film of various, you know, noir and crime uh, genre. Uh, yeah, you said you weren't a Western guy. Were you? uh, Was that more your wheelhouse? Those. Uh, the crime films of a sort. Um, again, not really. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, I, I I watch a lot of film, but I don't really go in for like specific genre. Um, but watch, I hadn't seen most of those films before that I was doing the essay uh, drawings for until I was asked to do it. And then I, I you know I'd go and buy the DVD to uh, to watch and, uh, and and take screen grabs from and do to do the drawing. Um, yeah, it was great, and it's that's like the perfect job for me, I think, because it means I get to spend, you know, the morning watching a film and then the afternoon doing a drawing, and it's just. And I do a lot of um, uh, Blu-ray cover art for for re-releases for things like Arrow and Kino Lorber, so it's just like doing that, and they're just the best jobs because you get to watch all these bizarre films that you'd never watched before, <laughs> um, you know, like strange Japanese things that you would never have you'd never have picked up if it wasn't for this. And then you, you it opens you up to this whole new world of, uh, of, of these films that you wouldn't, that you wouldn't have otherwise come across. Um, and then you get to do a drawing of it. It's, it's like making fan art, but you get paid. 
<laughs> I, I won't deny having a list of the films at the back of those that I'm always like, someday I'm going to sit down, I'm going to go out, I'm going to get these, and I'm going to watch them. I just yeah. have to find the time. Well, the, the time. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like Ed's seen everything, so you know he's, he's making these film references or sending over all these things to watch, and it's like, I'm not going to watch these. And Chris is the same. <laughs> Chris, is, Chris is a massive film buff, so he's like, oh, yeah, like this. I'm like, yeah, sure, I've seen that. <laughs> So, so now we enter the the research stalking period of the podcast from all the weird little things that I found while looking you up. Um, one thing that I saw on your Twitter recently was you did this really great uh, commission of Columbo. It, this oh, is yeah. really a question. I, I just love Columbo and wanted to say how cool I thought that was. <laughs> yeah, well, it turns out everyone loves Columbo. I, I've never I've never seen it, and uh, I was asked to do this commission, and. I didn't even watch an episode before I did it. I just sort of, you know, I knew I knew what it looked like, and I knew all his sort of, you know, mannerisms just from, you know, being alive, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that was. And I I just sort of I, the drawing came out quite nice, so I was like, oh, I'll I'll post this one on Twitter, and uh, yeah, everyone loved it. I, I was amazed. So now I might do a print of it. I'm not sure yet, but. Um, yeah, the, the commissions have been really fun, actually. I started off doing those Indiana Jones ones. I don't know if you saw those. Yes. Um, and I was just doing one every day at the start of our lockdown. Um, just because I was like, oh, I'm inside. I might as well do something productive. And everyone loved them. And they were selling out, you know, within 30 seconds. And I was like, oh, maybe, I've, maybe this is something I should be pursuing. So, uh, yeah, I took on a few more commissions and then realized how busy I was. And it took me four weeks to do them, but... Um, but yeah, it's been it's been good fun doing those. Hopefully, I'll get to do some more soon. Cool. Um, another little thing I found was it. There was something that said you created and sold your first comic uh, called Roboy at a con at the age of eleven. Yeah. <laughs> how, yeah. How'd that I, go? Uh, <laughs> it sold out. <laughs> uh, well, I did. I only I printed twenty copies. And it sold out on the on the Saturday of the con. We did, I think, was it uh, either Bristol or Brighton? We did we did the con, uh, and I just shared my dad's table. And I was like, at that point, I was cute enough for people to just buy it because um, it was you know the novelty of an eleven year old with a comic out. Um, but we just you know I, I drew it. I I think I I, col- I yeah that must have been the first thing I I coloured. Right, it was just grayscale, but I, you know coloured it digitally and then we, we printed it out at home and um, yeah sort of stapled it together myself and took it out to to the con and sold it and I think I bought a big um, Hellboy theatre with the money on the Sunday <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so if any of you 20 people out there are, are listening you have a rare collectible <laughs> my I don't I think there's a quote we, I, so I did I think I did three in the end and uh, on the the on the back of the second one, we've got a quote from Dave Gibbons saying that he's going <laughs> to double double bag his copy of it of the first one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, uh, a ringing endorsement from. I, know, some... maybe I, sh- I should use that quote on uh, on my current projects. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, the, also, at one point, you um, edited a magazine and. Pardon me if I butcher how this is pronounced in my 
you know, horrible New Jersey accent. <laughs> um, uh, the Mancunian Way. Uh, yeah, that's Man- the one. Uh, celebrating Manchester, where you live. Um, yes. Yeah, what... Sorry. I just wanted to know what makes... Press the button. There you go. What is it about Manchester that makes it special to you, that made you want to work on this? Well, it was when I first moved here. Uh, I moved here for university. I, uh, my parents live in the Lake District, a bit further northwest of here. Um, and uh, I moved here for uni um, in 2013, I think it was. And I was, it was the first time I lived in the city. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um, and it's just it's so like, rich in, in culture, um, sort of musically uh, especially. So I was, and I was, that's like all the stuff I was into. So I was like, oh, I'll, there's so much stuff here to draw inspiration from. And, um, and I just met all these people at, at art college and sort of in this sort of scene, uh, there were sort of young illustrators and photographers and musicians. So it was a great way to sort of highlight all these things as well and get people working and, and sort of collaborate with all these new friends that I'd found basically very cool um what are you what are you reading right now um I've been reading a lot of novels actually I've not really been reading that much in terms of comics I, like the first few weeks of quarantine I uh I was I was like oh I'm gonna only work half the day and, and read the rest of the time so you know mm-hmm. I read like 12 novels in two weeks and then and then realized that I can't do that anymore and have to go to work. Um, but I, I finally read Master Race, that was a, uh, uh, which I'd never read before. Um, so I, I got that, and uh, what else have I even read? Um, we, we'd love to hear about the novels. We're, we're always curious about that yeah. as well. <laughs> um, yeah, like a lot of... Um, like crime fiction, like, you know, like uh, murder mystery stuff. Um so I read uh, the guest list, which which was good. It's like a a story about a, a, a murder on a wedding day in uh, on this like remote island off off the UK, and uh, it's sort of told throughout the day from all the different perspectives of the different uh, guests at this wedding, which is really great. Um, and then oh, I was in, I did an, another one that was also a. What was it called? I can't remember. But another murder mystery, and it was um, it was t- it was this character who every day woke up. It's the same day, but he was in a different person within this <laughs> within this estate that they were living, and they had to solve the murder using all these different people's perspectives, which I thought was really cool. Sort of like <laughs> a, you know, like a Groundhog Day uh, kind of murder mystery. It was great. Ooh. I'm gonna have to try to figure that one out because that sounds fascinating. Yeah, it's a little yeah, it really day in a little dark city. Yeah, I can't, what, the title? I can't remember this. I, I'll I'll email you the title <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, when I remember. Um, you you mentioned being a Parks and Rec fan uh, earlier when we were talking about uh, uh, Sam Elliott and uh, Sheriff Joe Bob. Um, yeah, fa- fa- favorite episode if you got one. Oh, I mean the uh, the memorial the. For Little Sebastian, when he ah, cracks yes. out the song at the end, uh, the, is it the Harvest Festival? Is it that one? Yeah. And um, when, he, when Andy cracks out the the song at the end, it's just a 
that's got to be a classic. And when um, when uh, what's his name, Tom Haverford gets his uh, his new office. That's a great one as well. When they have the basketballers just like <laughs> yeah. just there. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great one as well. And the camping episode as well. I mean, there's just too many. The camping episode <laughs> when they end up in the in the B and B. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> With all the cats. Yeah, that's 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 a favourite for sure. <laughs> oh man. Matt, how about you? Ooh, that is a. Ooh. I know. I'm a- I'm asking us to pick a favourite child. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think. Um. Pawnee Rangers, because you get both this that great Leslie-Ron rivalry that, of course, works out at the end, and it is also the episode with Treat Yourself, yeah. which is, I mean, someday I want to walk through the mall in a Batman costume and then <laughs> fix someone's Wi-Fi in a Batman costume. Because that's what I do. And so, if my career is is an IT guy, then doing it in a Batman costume just must make it that much better. <laughs> yeah, he's living out everyone's dream in that episode, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I just looked down and realized. So you know the episodes where Ben is is depressed because he's wearing that Letters to Cleo T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought that shirt online, and I'm wearing it now. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one where he does the stop motion film? Yes, yes, yeah. and he uh, comes up with the idea for the locale calzone zone. Yeah, could a depressed man do this? <laughs> yeah, that that that's a great one. It was actually it was it was another uh, comics creator, uh, Stephanie Phillips, obviously no relation, uh, who gave me the link to the site to buy the shirt. So I have to thank her for that publicly uh, well, now. Yeah, my friend's got a, a Cones of Dunshire T-shirt. Oh, but, um, that's awesome. I don't let him wear that outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, but uh, Jacob, uh, as we're as we're wrapping up, how can uh, people follow you and support everything you're doing, from that Texas blood to brutal dark to Maddie and everything else? Um, probably the best place to find me is on Twitter or Instagram. Um, my Twitter handle is uh, Jacob R underscore Phillips, and then Twitter is uh, Jacob Phillips Illustration. Um, and I post everything that I do on there. You know, can't get away. So, and it's uh, I, I haven't got around to updating my uh, any of my websites in years. So, yeah, that's the place to be if you want to be up to date. <laughs> awesome, Jacob. Thank you so much for uh, coming on doing the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been great. That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A and WMQComics.com at Patreon.com slash WMQComics. For just a dollar donation, get you early access to episodes, the ability to promote your work on our site, and a customized bonus reading column written by our own Matt Lazowitz, built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice, and a $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail from my collection. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Young Ones and Match Club Podcasts, Robert Secundus from Docs Talks at XavierFiles.com, Scott Madrinsky from Mojoswork.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, Saren, and Lan M. You can follow WMQ Comics on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. 
Not a fan of social media? Sign up for our weekly Q newsletter, which gives you the best of WMQ every week in your inbox, plus sneak peeks at what's ahead and an early look at our weekly editorial. Finally, and most importantly, check out WMQ Comics for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views. And we'll see you next time. WMQA! Something about the strings, isn't there? Like they resonate with the harmony of your soul, speaking to the depths of your heart. But you wouldn't understand that, would you? Because you're a simpleton, a mouth breather, who hasn't even considered signing up for the Weekly Q newsletter from WMQComics.com. Like the strings, the newsletter calls to you with its perfect collection of the best of the week, along with Dan's weekly editorial. Listen, it calls to you. It speaks to you. Sign up for the newsletter. Do it. Do it now!